Hello, hello, and welcome to Penguins Lunch, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. This is the first episode of Penguins Lunch since the season started. We did miss one a couple weeks back, but we're back. And since then, of course, 10 games into the year, there have been highs, there have been lows, and we are in the midst of, of one of the lows as of right now. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, and today I am joined by Jeff Taylor, host of the Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast. And Jeff, it is a game day, so we know you have a podcast coming out. Let us know right off the bat what you got coming for the people here today. Hey, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of Tip of the Iceberg and your writings, uh, of course, inside the Penguins. And just congrats on another great year for you and Horwat um, et al. So today on the podcast, on Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast, we will have Taylor Haas of uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. And uh, there, it's been a guest-heavy start to the season for me having relocated my small and beautiful family to Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, uh, within the, I guess, what they generally consider the Pittsburgh uh, city limits. So we're very, very excited to be here. Well, the good thing about the Pittsburgh city limits is it is encapsulated with fantastic food. And in honor of it being Penguins Lunch, I always like to ask the first question as follows. What is your favorite lunch spot in the Pittsburgh area? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with Jamos uh, on uh, West Liberty. It is formerly called Jameson's and lunch is a bit of a stretch because I think the kitchen doesn't open until a little closer to game time, so to speak. Uh, most lunches are what most people, for me, would be what most people consider breakfast. And it's what Matt Cullen generally would eat leading into games, oats and eggs. I kind of, I'm into the savory oat recipes. I'll throw some avocado in there. Uh, so basically the best lunch in Pittsburgh is in my kitchen. Get over here. Let's do this. Hey, listen, if that's an open invitation, I might have to take you up on it someday. You're coming over. Let's go. <laughs> All righty. Well, speaking of let's go, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Last night was not great if you're a fan of the Pens. Up 5-3 to three with 10 minutes to go on one of the best teams in hockey right now in the Boston Bruins. They end up losing 6-5 to five in the extra frame. So as you texted me after the game, they got a point, which is a, a bonus considering what happened the previous four games where they didn't get anything. So they got a point, but still, when you blow a lead like that in a losing streak like this, it's just going to accentuate the fact that you're not having a good time right now as the Pittsburgh Penguins are. So what do you think is hurting this team right now? Well, I think that uh, puck drop tonight is at 7.30 and the Penguins are playing Buffalo Sabres. No, uh, I don't want to talk about the loss. Let's go back and talk about it. Uh, you know, I think that uh, as everybody talks about, this team is stacked with talent, has uh, ostensibly one of the best looking, well, we are now in the midst of quite a losing streak, right? Five games and, and uh, my little comedy bit to start off my answer kind of wiped my brain. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> essentially, as uh, exemplified by the captain, Sidney Crosby, coming out and scoring at the 32nd mark of the first period and exclaiming pretty obviously with his, with our lip-reading abilities as, as, as watchers of the game, F yeah, uh, the game uh, continues to kind of be all about the pens for about another 20 seconds or so. 
Uh, at that point, uh, you know, uh, another big turnover. I believe Jan Ruda has two turnovers within a seven-second span starting at a minute seven in the first period, both in the Penguins zone. Uh, two big chances, both Hall trying to center Zaka. Uh, that could have been 1-1 right there, and it doesn't take much longer. Obviously, Drew O'Connor turns the puck over shortly thereafter, ends up on the stick of, I think, Charlie Coyle initially, Trent Frederick jamming at home, and Coyle gets the uh, the consequential tap-in. Look, if the Penguins can't play with a lead, that was all at the – that was less than three minutes later. Now, uh, Rust has this uh, unbelievable chance, almost goes up – Penguins almost go up 2 nothing. But would that have really changed the equation that you're asking me about? But uh, it's almost like the higher they go, the, the farther they're falling. And I, I think as uh, – was it Staggy last night or one of the guys on the post game said, or maybe Brian Metzer, as soon as they went up a few goals, I just felt like this team was coming back. You just – there was really never a point where it felt like the Bruins weren't going to exact their uh, Bruinity on, on the Penguins last night. Yeah, and eventually it, it ended up happening. And, and the big thing with the Penguins is, and Mike Sullivan talked about this post-game, he's talked about this a lot the past week, is they can't beat themselves. You mentioned the turnover by Drew O'Connor. And then on the second goal by the Bruins that gave them the lead, it was a turnover by Evgeny Malkin on, on an ill-advised pass back when he's barely in the zone already. You look at some of the positioning from Tristan Jari, who we'll get to in a minute. It's a team that is beating themselves right now, and mental mistakes is costing them especially for this, a game in which they were in more so than the four previous where they had lost. So mental mistakes being the reason they lose to a really good Bruins team. How can they fix that? Just simply not making those stupid mistakes. I mean, these, these are mistakes that these guys, it's not made because they're not good at hockey. These mistakes are made because they're just not thinking of it. They're playing in in a way that's allowing these mistakes to be accentuated they need to play their game for the full 60 minutes which is easier said than done i understand that yeah but the problem with them is they're playing it and then taking off so much that it takes forever for them to get back on and as soon as the game was tied late in the third period you had to know that listen unless something miraculous happens and it did the penguins got a power play and they still just weren't able to turn it on in overtime. Oh. And you knew the Bruins were going to leave with two points. I just have this freeze frame of that wide open chance Gino had. One of one of the couple seemingly. See, it, to me, there were 100 chances the Penguins had during the power play. When I look back at some of the other tweets, I'm more of a, uh, well, I'm a musician. And that's the, the world from which I come as a Penguins fan. So my mind is very, I see streaks of color. And I the eye test is pretty sharp with me. So I can tell you. Were they on or were they off during this period of time? Um, even as a player, I'm 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 a fairly uh, sleepy-minded winger. I I I'll do what you tell me, but I feel like you'd be the captain, Nick. I, <laughs> you you you'd be the you have a sharp. You're very sharp in that way. Um, I'm I'm your your heart guy. You know, like uh, not heart not heart trophy. H e a r t. So you talked about the full sixty. I think, and this bleeds over into my opinions about. Twitterdom, Penguinsdom, Twitterdom. It's like people misconstrue the idea of playing a full 60 minutes of hockey. If you've ever played 60 minutes of hockey, first of all, that would help you as a Twitter user out there. So before you make another comment, then not speaking to you, Nick, y'all out there, yins, I don't say you, I, I'm a guest here in Pittsburgh. I'm a new resident. 
full 60 minutes doesn't mean zero mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, Take the Penguin prior to the time of Kasperi Kapanen in Pittsburgh lore, uh, who's gotten the most hell from talking heads and and Twitter users and things like that. I'd probably say it's Gino. Gino or Chris Letang because they're, they're on such a high elevated place, visibility, that anytime they make a mistake, and they are prone to certain types of mistakes, uh, then it all comes falling in on them from all these people. Gino made Gino made a, 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 an egregious turnover at some point early in this game. You'll have to remind me exactly when it was up along the half wall, ended up leading to, I think, the Bruins' second goal of the game, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And I tweeted at that point, uh, Gino the period ended and I said, Gino didn't look like Gino in, in the first period contained within that tweet folks is the, uh, acknowledgement. The second Gino in the tweet means that's Gino. The Gino we got in the first, do we see him on a regular basis? Yeah. We see that guy. Now look at yourself. Okay. Take the thing that you're best at in the whole world. And this, by the way, this goes across the whole the whole spectrum of the, the roster. This isn't just about Malkin. I shouldn't even be mentioning him if I but but as much as I love him, I think it's important to to call out all of our of our players. And and I think Malkin has taken on the mantle, as Marcus Pedersen has, I think, to some extent this year, but that's a tangent, of of being a more vocal leader, uh, of putting a better game on the ice. I think Gino looked pretty great in this game, all 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 things uh, considered, but that moment does stick out. Because it results in the turnover that results in a goal. And there, therefore, we're still talking about the Penguins not, not being able to hold a lead. So in, in summation, uh, or if that's even a word, uh, it, you know, a full 60 minutes doesn't mean no mistakes. And so in that way, I agree with you. That the, and I feel, I feel safe in your, in your den, in your Penguins den here. <laughs> that uh, Because there's a time to throw ire and, and to, to raise flags and raise alarms. And Rob Rossi's article this morning kind of goes straight to it. And he said, uh, might not be the worst thing to worry at this point. Might not be too early to worry, I think was one of his, one of his uh, uh, tweets promoting the article in The Athletic. Uh, time to worry? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, this is a big slide. This is a big slide for the Pens. But I did like a lot of what I saw. And ironically, you get a lot of production from your captain, you also got a fair, fair game from 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not, I'm not pumping Josh Archibald tire all night long and like, Oh, he's the future of the franchise. He's going to work his way up uh, to the second line or something. No, no, no. But as a fourth liner, he is, he is razzing. He's stirring up the cauldron. He's when nobody's looking, he's chucking in some chili peppers. Like he, he's got that tan of, uh, quality of him of just constantly throwing his body all around. Unfortunately, it also means that he falls off his skates uh, uh, quite quite often. Um, although I I want to say on that topic, Ryan Paling stayed up on his skates and kept his, his stick in his hands for the majority of this game, which was a plus for him as well. I thought he looked fast. Yeah, the Penguins' fourth line I thought had one of their best games when constructed in that way that we've seen all season. And for Josh Archibald, that's the type of game he's going to thrive in. I mean, you play the Boston Bruins, you have basically the king of his type of play in Marshawn there, AKA being a rat. Uh, That's what Josh Archibald is employed to do. He's going to be a physical guy. He's going to be in there on the forecheck. He's going to try to create opportunities. And if he gets one, 
you saw what he does. He shoots the puck. He doesn't try to, to make the pretty move. He doesn't try to go in and, and dance around players. If he gets an opportunity with an open lane, he takes it. Why? Because he knows he's not that player to go and make the Malkin-esque move to try to deke out Matt Grizzlick or deke out Derek Forbert, who was injured in this one. So I, yeah. I didn't hate the game from, from Josh Archibald either. I'm not as staunch against him as a lot of Penguins fans and, and Penguins writers are. But I, I think when you look at this game, the biggest issue to me coming out of it was the play of Tristan Jari. Uh, this the, the biggest red flag that I saw. And it's not that, you know, he let a weak goal in here or he let a weak goal in there. Goalies are going to allow weak goals. They're going to want g- certain goals back. But after a hot start, Jari has now gone 0-3 in his last three starts and allowed 16 goals in those performances. And, yeah. and with that, the biggest thing for me, his positioning was off last night a lot. So to me, I want to ask you this. Are you worried about Jari's performance as of right now? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And I'm looking at something on my phone right now. I'm trying to see if I, I have it. Yeah, now, this isn't it, but I'll just, I know what I was looking for. Uh, and it's a sort of a, a question to, with which to answer your question. Uh, my question for you <laughs> in answering your question, Tristan Jari, is he looking uh, uh, worrisome? You know, do I think his play is worrisome at this point, et cetera? There were two, two pucks Last night in the game uh, at home at PPG Paints Arena versus the Boston Bruins, uh, it was a, it's a final score, six to five overtime loss that worried me. And it was the same thing that happened each time that, that, that made me worry. The puck is dribbling around in the crease. And I would, after the fact, I rewound, I kind of watched these plays again. And I'm wondering, was he pinned over here? Did someone have his jersey that he couldn't turn his head a certain way. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not, okay? Folks haven't listened to Fly Penguins Fly. I got a little bit of the the optimistic Eagle Scout guy in me, all right? I'm really not one to pounce on people, but, and there are those out there who I will lose as a result. And and I, you know, you stood behind Casey DeSmith in a conversation with with Horwath the other day. Both of you guys are so fantastic on, on Tip of the Iceberg. I love listening. Uh, and there was a there was a conversation about Casey dismissed goaltending, and uh, and I and I appreciated the that you acknowledged the rays of sunshine that did come through, regardless of uh, some uh, maybe uh, flailing type of play that that Smith exhibited. With Jari, it was almost the opposite. There would be these pucks that were sitting in the crease, and I I was actually it was like I was holding the game controller, and I went to hit cover the puck, and he didn't do it. And Jari's so aware in that way. The, the, the cover up the loose puck, the make the routine save, that's all jars. This last few games and last night to me was the top example of it. He didn't seem to have that um, air to surface awareness, mm-hmm. particularly when the puck was loose and not moving very fast. He's a, I'm not used to that with him, him not being aware of the, of the location of the puck in a fairly, I don't, I don't want to say routine situation, never played goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, folks, again, go play the sport of hockey. Get out there. It'll make you an even cooler Twitter user. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, Nick, what, are, what, what's, what happens from here? I mean, uh, and, you know, and Jari took, by the way, Jari took a lot of abuse last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to note, the Penguins did not challenge for goaltender interference on the Bruins' first goal. But 
the the player Greer is it number eleven for boss AJ Greer? Maybe I have his jersey number wrong. He bumped Jari pretty hard, right along the left post, on that first Bruins goal. And I watched it a couple of times right before. That was all the tape watching I did to read to prepare for today. Was the first period leading up to the one-one score? Because to me, last night's game was kind of played between the time when Crosby picked that puck up off of uh, the Lindholm pinball through the skates off of Rust's attempted feed to uh, uh, the other player up to the right-hand side. I forget who else was on the on the rush there. Crosby scores. From the time Crosby scores that goal to the time Charlie Coyle taps in the 1-1 goal, to me, the game was semi The energy of the game was basically dictated at that point. Mm-hmm. And with, with Tristan Jari and, and looking at his performance the last three games, it's not something that you look at and say, well, he's never going to get back to where he was when he was an all-star last year, when he was finishing in the top 10 and all those goalie rankings. But when you look at Jari, some of these tendencies need to be weeded out. Like, I don't think he'll get the start tonight, but I might be wrong. Usually they don't start goalies in back-to-back nights. I, I wouldn't, hate to see them go back to him I know that it's it's a back-to-back it's a tough situation but for Tristan Jari he needs to figure those things out and the best way to do it is by playing the game but hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Let's move on here and talk about somebody else who, who is struggling and has struggled for 10 games, not just Jari's last three. Uh, I think I know where you're going. And that's Brian Dumlin. Yeah. The Dumlin is obviously one of the uh, most disappointing players for the Pittsburgh Penguins to start this season. He's had a rough first 10 games. He's allowed 19 total goals when he's on the ice in all situations, which is good for second in the National Hockey League. Second worst, I should say, in the National Hockey League. Do you think this is the end of the road for a guy like Dumlin, or do you feel that he's going to bounce back at some point this year? I was just thinking about Dumo last night. I, I, I think... If he keeps heading in the direction he is, again, this is this is the relative view that we have as watchers of the game and, and players not on that level. But I'm a bit of an apologist today, aren't I, for these NHL players? I suppose I should just talk about it like it's an NHL hockey game and within that context. And, you know, Brian Dumoulin, to me, does look a, a sluggish in the slot, in the defensive zone, in the penguin zone. Uh, there have been how many times now where we look back at a replay of, a, of an opposing team's goal and you just see Dumo kind of drifting all by himself. You know, that that's kind of the uh, – now, I don't mean to say that I am, am as aware of, of, of these defensemen and of what their assignments are. But there comes a point of alarm when the puck is in play in your general vicinity, when your assignment and what you need to do – pinch up, pinch down, hang back, whatever the terms are, changes. And for Brian Dumoulin on on a number of those goals last night, I think the very first one that I described earlier, maybe not that that, uh, Charlie Coyle goal, but boy, he's hanging around. You know, that's what it looks like. Mike Sullivan in the postgame says he paused when asked about Brian Dumoulin. He paused. 
And, you know, I hear Mike Sullivan's Boston accent and Brian Dumoulin is a, uh, is a Mainer and they got that New England connection. And I'm not, I'm not going any further than that, except to say that he paused and said, did Sullivan, I thought Dumo competed hard tonight. Now that's something that you say, A, if he plays a great game. It's something that you say, B, if somebody looks less than stellar out there and there might be something going on that they're holding back from telling us. Now, there are things that you probably hear about and that I probably hear about because we've we've torn up the turf a little bit in this Penguins world. We've met people and we text with people and we hear them and see things in private chats that we don't talk about because you don't necessarily... First of all, I'm not a journalist. I'm a podcaster. Second of all, I'm not friends with any of these players or the, or the coaching staff. And I believe generally I'm a bit of an institutionalist when it comes to if Mike Sullivan tells us that Jeff Carter has a lower body injury. I don't necessarily believe that anybody has business tweeting out what that lower body injury is because they happen to walk by the, uh, the training room. Okay. So when it comes to what's going on with Brian Dumoulin, does my mind, oh, you know, opine and wonder, ponder what it could be? It seems like it's an underlying thing. Is it, psych- is it psychological? Is it physical? I don't know what it is, but that's not, that's not to me where Brian Dumoulin mentally and physically should be given his age and, you know, what a physical talent he simply is and mm-hmm. what a, and what a, what a hockey mind he is. Okay. You don't, you don't help run the defensive core for back-to-back Stanley Cup champion teams a while back, but not that long ago. He just looks like he's not moving. It's hard to uh, get inside someone else's head when I'm not that person. And I, and I probably shouldn't try. Yeah, with Brian Dumlin, I, I know a lot of the fan base is on him. And, and when you watch him, obviously everybody has seen the way that he's played at the top of his game. And when you see all of these videos come out, Oh, here's a goal, and there's Doomlin. What is he doing? And that, that's the question. What is he doing um, in, in some of these plays? And it's something that when Brian Doomlin, the physical player, has been deteriorated because he's, he's dealt with injuries. He's coming off a second major knee surgery that he had in the offseason. And you think, okay, maybe that's the issue. But some of the mental mistakes that throws up, again, like a, a red flag like Tristan Jari being out of position. It's something that, you know, even when you're not on your game, usually you can rely on that part. So I don't know what the, what the answer is for Brian Dumlin. I, I know there's people saying bench him, cut him. They're not going to do any of that. I, I know that that's, that's something that a lot of people want to see, but that's simply an overreaction. With Brian Dumlin, he's been on your top pairing for six, seven, eight years almost. What's probably best for him, because he isn't playing good, is maybe drop him down give him a, a lesser role against lesser opponents. Cause normally when you're on that top pairing, he's going up against the perfection line in Boston tonight. He would go up against Tage Thompson, who had a six point night, a couple days Unbelievable. ago. The, the, the Buffalo team is, is looking yeah. serious. Yeah. They're, they're not a joke. And if people think that, Oh, okay, it's the Sabres. So the Penguins and their losing streak tonight, it's not a given, especially with a team in Buffalo that is fighting for every single point that they get. So with, with Dumoulin, do I think he'll bounce back? I don't know, but I think that the Penguins can't simply throw him out there on the top pairing and expect him to, to figure it out on his own. They're going to need to help him out a little bit more, and it, it might be something like putting him on that third pairing with somebody like you know a Jeff Petrie, who, while he is offensively inclined, he's somebody who could help out in the defensive zone as well and definitely could help Dumoulin out in the net front, which is something that he has struggled with early in the year. 
Yeah, and this decor in general is such a, and this goes back to the sky is falling idea, right? When we talk about Penguins fans. I think you 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 bring up a great topic here. The Penguins decor is the secret to the sauce right now. You have two goaltenders who are playing just fine to win you games. Jari's play doesn't look super Jari-ish right now. He could have given up a couple less goals. There's a night in Calgary where there's a couple long bombs that DeSmith gives up, and certainly in Seattle, he gave up even more goals than the scoreboard showed because of, is it, by the way, Nickel or Nickel? Madison, uh, the our, our video coach. I don't uh, know. The, Madison Nickel, I believe. Thanks. I've been saying Nickel, Raquel, Nickel, uh, Madison Nickel. Uh, thanks to him, that, that score in Seattle stayed lower. But back to the decor and today, you know, it's the, it's the deployment, right? Coach Sullivan always talks about putting the team on the ice that gives the Penguins the best chance to win. That's not just that's not just the starting five. That's not, and it's it's not simply who dresses and who doesn't for the game. It's how he deploys those people and, and what minutes they get. So, simply because you know Sam Poulan happens to be playing in a given game, we don't expect to see him deployed in the same way uh, uh, that Sidney Crosby is deployed. Obviously, so you take something that seems so obvious and you have to keep applying that to all these different uh, positions and assignments. And on the decor side, I want to talk again just for a second about that piece of tape I analyzed so closely in the first period of last night's game. Jan Ruda makes two crucial turnovers in the span of seven, in those seven seconds. Jan Ruda turns the puck over to Grizzly, who gets it to Hall. Hall centers the puck. Jan Ruda turns the puck over to Pasternak, who gets it to Hall and sets up Saka again for the near goal. So... Yeah, just like Ruda is deployable, and on a given night, you wouldn't think twice if Sullivan said, well, he's playing great, let's bump him up to the second uh, 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 pairing. Or Brian Dumoulin wants to help the Penguins win. I know he does. Mm-hmm. He he also wants to make wine, probably very delicious wine. But I haven't tried it. Have you tried the Great Day wine yet? I have it's not. A great we, we no. gotta, when we get together for the podcasters, Penguins podcasters uh, conference, we gotta, we got to have a couple bottles. Excuse me. <clears throat> but uh, I'm not scared to see Brian Dumoulin deployed elsewhere or deployed in different ways. Uh, sometimes that's the secret, right? Just we've seen Kasperi Kapanen uh, uh, inserted in and, and taken out of different places to try to change things up. We've seen, obviously, on another conversation, we've seen Ricard Raquel and Brian Rust uh, interchanged on the first and second line. And that's a whole separate conversation about players on a whole different level doing a very different thing. Uh, and yet... Maybe having more success are those two guys defensively. My God, by the way, can Ricard Raquel play the puck along the boards? As as he cuts his hair, as he takes bruises to the face, as he becomes more and more of a penguin, I am just more and more of a fan of, of 67. He is just incredible. Yeah, Ricard Raquel, definitely that goal last night that he scored just reminds you that not only can he play with the puck, not only can he set things up, but uh, he has a rocket of a shot. And there's the reason he got brought in is so he can finish those chances set up by guys like Evgeny Malkin and guys uh, like Sidney Crosby. But you did mention something there when it comes to the deployment. And if, if Dumlin does get deployed differently as a second or third pairing guy, it, it's what we saw happen with Cody Cece. He was not good in Toronto because he was playing on the first pairing, comes into Pittsburgh, plays on the third pairing, has the best season of his career and gets paid for it, goes out to Edmonton. So it's something that we've seen this defense do. We've seen Todd Reardon do for these defensemen. But uh, we'll have to see if he's able to do it for Brian Dublin 
Jeff, I do want to get to quick dishes, which is our rapid fire segment at the end of this, but we do have a couple listener questions uh, from PJ hockey says, does Kapanen deserve all the hate that he's getting in only 10 games? He scored five points, but I think the problem in my opinion with Kasperi Kapanen is not the fact that he's scored five points in 10 games. The problem with Kapanen is the way that he has been able to go from looking really good on the ice. And there were moments last night where that line looked pretty good to yeah. looking invisible and then making bad mistakes and being visible in the worst way possible. It's just too volatile for Kasperi Kapanen in my idea. Yeah. We don't have Kasperi Kapanen on this roster because the Penguins thought we need a decent guy on the third line. Or we need a decent player, a decent winger. The idea here was this is a team spearheaded by some all-time NHLers in Crosby, Malkin. You can even start to talk about Brian Rust and Jake Gensel. Uh, and that we thought, let's get a player who can turn us into a three-line threat. And uh, and whether he's been deployed on that second or, or third line. Yeah. It, again, you talked about getting signed to another team, whether it's Johnny Marino suddenly doing well in, in, in New Jersey now, or you see Daniel Sprong dumping goals in every time we face him, wherever he happens to be. Uh, but on on the whole, Casperi uh, Kapanen, I've often imagined him for his own sake in, in another team's jersey. But I embrace him being here as a fan. I I want to see him do well. Let's hope that that uh, bleeds over in other parts of his game. And one other question we'll get to. Um, thank you to everybody that has tuned in so far. Thank you to everybody that has tuned in on the history of Penguins Lunch, uh, as this is the first and inaugural year of this show. But Brandon, who is a weekly listener, says, do you see Jari getting a contract extension? Uh, I don't know if this is before or after the season ends. Honestly, I do think the Penguins bring him back as their starters at some point. I just have no idea when that's going to be. Obviously, Ron Hextall doesn't discuss the contract extensions or the contract statuses in the media very often, if at all. And Tristan Jari has more things to worry about than his, his next contract extension, especially considering the current three game slide we discussed earlier in the show. And I think that's all Jari's thinking about. I am so impressed with the way he has bloomed as a, as a, an off ice presence. And uh, this, I'm a singer and we try to blend the chest voice up into your head voice. This is like one of the big things you try to get good at. I think Tristan Jari has brought his barley farmer slide tackling salty, saving up a stick swipe at somebody for a good moment soon. I really think he is, uh, he's opening up before our eyes and I don't think he or Hextall, like you said, I think that's an off season thing. Nobody's worried about that. He's got that British Columbia mellow to him and he wants, he's going to look at that tape from last night. And I think he's going to come back sharper, albeit tonight or or, or the next time we see, probably uh, later in the week. You know, it's it's no coincidence to me that we saw Tristan Jari start to get a little bit frisky in the net, a little bit more of those, you know, two-handed chops to the back of people's knees, a little bit more standing up and throwing the block. <laughs> I, can't, no I can't help it. It's no coincidence that that started after Ron Hextall became the GM of the Penguins. Hmm. I, now, why is that? I don't know, Nick. Yeah. Uh, we could ask Rob Brown if we ever get to discuss him on uh, the Penguins lunch. But let's finish off this show, Jeff. Thank you again, Jeff Taylor of the Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast. Check out his newest episode with Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports today as they get set for Penguins versus Sabres. Let's finish this with quick dishes, rapid fire questions, some Penguins related, some not penguins related so rapid fire let's start with this better fall holiday halloween which we just had a few days ago or thanksgiving 
Halloween. Halloween is better. Do you just like the costumes or, or is there just overall not a big fan of Thanksgiving as most people apparently are? I don't need Thanksgiving level time with my family. Fair enough. Fair enough. I love that answer. I, that's the first time that somebody has been honest my, enough to say that. My extended family all yes. the time with my wife, please. Yes. Okay. Good, good save. We'll make sure. Well, I'll make sure I, I put that specifically at the forefront. That might be the, the social media clip right there. But there um, to the next one, what position would you play if you were in the National Hockey League? Uh, fourth line right wing. Very specific. Fourth line, you like the Brandon Tanev role, like you said. Oh, oh, you know what? Hold on a second. Blah, 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 blah. Like if I were in the National Hockey League and like I were way better than I am, uh, I would play fourth line right wing. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Uh, what is your favorite TV show <laughs> of all time? Um, my favorite TV show of all time, Adventure Time. Adventure Time. Good. Yeah. Love it. Other than the Penguins, what other team do you like to watch? The New York Mets. Mm, big Mets fan. Did you like the, uh, the the intro for Edwin Diaz this year? Were you, were you on the train of that? Or did you think, oh, man, this is really just, this is a little too much? I love it. I'm a trumpet player. Uh, I was a blaster type of a player. Tons mm. of power. Not a great deal of, uh, it's kind of like I said earlier about my, my level of hockey IQ. I can feel it. I'm not sure I have the mind you do for it, but I love talking about it. So, yeah, I, I like Timmy Trumpets. And, and I think unless you're from New York, New York must be a tough thing. I'm from that area, lived there for almost 20 years, uh, grew up near there for even longer than that. Um, just moved to Pittsburgh. I I feel all of that New York cheese, baby. It's like, bring it to me. Uh, I, I want the trumpet. I want the, the blasting, you know. <laughs> my wife and I are Jersey, 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 and, and we grew up with the New York skyline looking very different than it, than it now does, um, uh, right in the background on the, on the local highway. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a New York hockey fan. I'm a Pittsburgh hockey fan through and through, but I, uh, I love that Mets, that Mets uh, Timmy trumpet vibe, the Diaz. And boy, that's a shame the way they went out this year. Well, it seems to happen more often than not for the Mets, but at least you get that hope because Pittsburgh Pirates fans like me don't get very much of it. But the penultimate question, Jeff, which would you rather do, golf with Mario Lemieux or mm. fish with Sidney Crosby? Fish with Sidney Crosby. A a anything other than that? I know a lot of people, when they answer this, they say, well, I, I can't golf really well, so I don't want to make Mario mad, so I'm just going to do fishing as, 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 as the answer to that. No, it's specific. Uh, no offense to Mario or to the game of golf. I'm a big fan of – I actually love watching golf on television. I've, I've never played a full round of golf myself, decent mini golfer. Uh, so Mario will speak later. Sid – if you want to have me over to the lake house, I know in some of the in the room episodes, they hint, they show p bits of film of his lovely place up there. I assume that's somewhere up in Canada, possibly in, in Nova Scotia. Number one, I've always wanted to go to Nova Scotia. Two, I think Sid and I would have a lot more in common, uh, just being from the same generation. Uh, I got to meet him one time and he was super friendly. So I already know that he's a good guy. And, and, I, and I can fish, especially lake fishing. I've had some good success slamming bass. Uh, so, um, if there's any bass up on the, on that body of water that I've seen in those, in those shots of his, you know, I assume lakeside home, I think that would be the place for me. A couple of cold ones hanging with 87. Um, that's where I'm going. Last question I want to ask you, Jeff, and thank you again for giving me some of your time. And this afternoon is 
The Pittsburgh Penguins wearing their reverse retros for the first time tonight. The return of the Robo Pen. What are your thoughts on the new Robo Penguin jersey? Uh, I think the new Robo Penguin jersey looks great. I really do. I think that considering that they went with not the correct design, and I think they should have gone with the gradient ones, although it's not that this jersey didn't ever exist. This is the same basic, almost exact same design as the Sudden Death Penguins jersey that mm -hmm. just in with the black. Now, at that time, did they have the black version of that? They did, right, for road games? The black version was the gradient. It was. So in the time that Jean-Claude Van Damme's Sudden Death was made, if they were home, they were wearing that white one we see in the movie, but if they were on the road, it had the gradient? Mm-hmm. My yep. gosh, why wouldn't you just go with the gradient? So again, I grew up out in, in the East, uh, even further East than here. Sorry for a lot of people listening. We're very much in the East, <laughs> but I, I would have gone with the gradient. I, I didn't need a full redesign. I, I've got the, um, this one here, uh, the, the Malcolm Jersey, you know, when they did this, I think Lemieux didn't want the Robo Penguin on the shoulder, so they didn't do it. And it gives it its own story. You see this, you know, it's one of the new reverse first, you know, and not the, uh, not the, uh, 90, 92, 93 version, mm -hmm. but, uh, I would have gone with the, I would have gone with the gradient still. I think it looks pretty sharp, mm -hmm. uh, but I prefer my diagonal Pittsburgh Jersey to that. Yeah. You obviously mentioned Mary Lemieux. If he was still in charge, we wouldn't have seen the robo penguin to begin with. Uh, he's mm -hmm. not a big fan of it. That is for sure. Uh, and I don't know. I know a lot of people have said, and I've tried to, to talk some people off the ledge cause they're like, Oh, they're horrible. Cause they're not the gradient. I said, well, they're only wearing this Jersey. 10 times and then they're strapping yeah. them after this year. Would you rather them use the gradient up now or maybe see them a little bit later as their third Jersey? Cause now with uh, Fenway sports group in charge, you might see that a little bit later down the road. I wouldn't be surprised. They, they, they've had some success both uh, on the field and, and off of it, you know, so to speak. Well, Jeff, that's going to do it for this episode of penguins lunch. Again, Jeff Taylor of the fly penguins fly game day podcast. Before you go, let everybody know where they can find you and what they can expect from the Fly Penguins Fly podcast. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Fly Penguins Fly. Follow me on Twitter at Pens Pod, on uh, Instagram at Fly Penguins Fly, but uh, the Twitter handle is uh, where you get the most bang for your buck. The podcast, Fly Penguins Fly Game Day podcast, is available on all of your uh, standard outlets Apple, Amazon, Spotify, so forth. Well, that's going to do it for this one. We will be back in two weeks with another guest and more Penguins talk. And in, in the meantime, you can check out the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And coming up on November 15th, a very special episode where we discuss all of the reverse retros 2.0 from Adidas. But that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.